Good morning, Liberty. How's everyone doing? Good. All right. Um, hey, did Justice do a, a great job on leading that song? What's that type called? Call and response. Is that right? Call and response from the Renaissance period. Started back then, and here we are, keeping it up. That's awesome. Cool. Did you guys like that? It was a little different, but it was good. Yeah. Those of us that grew up probably in, in more formal church settings are, are very familiar with the call and response, but some of you that haven't, you got a little taste of, of that this morning. All right, I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. We thank you that you use uh, the good and the bad to help us trust in you more, to help us seek you, to show us that we need you. And Father, I pray that you would be with us, Lord, as we know you are. Let us hear from you today. God, you are so good to us. We thank you for the privilege of gathering together to worship you, to hear your word, to fellowship with one another. Fill us with your spirit now, Lord, and we want to be doers of the word, not just hearers. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we had a 24-hour prayer vigil starting on Friday morning at 7 a.m. and ended yesterday morning at 7 a.m. And I know many, many, many of you participated. How did it go? It was good? Awesome. I want to keep in that spirit of prayer during the service today by setting uh, some time aside at the end for people to come up and pray. Um, I want to give uh, a sermon first, though. And here's my question as I reflected on us taking 24 hours as a church, to set aside, to seek the Lord, to beseech Him, to ask Him for things, to um, hear from Him. My question is this. Actually, I have a couple questions. One, does prayer matter? Yeah. I mean, does it matter? And does it make a difference? Because how we answer those questions will affect how much we pray. Because if we don't, we, if we don't think it it does much. If we think it's just more of a formality or just, you know, we're commanded to do it, so we're going to do it out of obedience. If, if we're just going through routine or motion, uh, we're going to be missing something. It's going to affect our prayer life, and we're probably not going to pray much. So why pray? Why pray? Why pray? Listen, from the very beginning of the Bible to the very end of the Bible, we see God hears the prayers of his saints. He hears them, and he answers them. So I think one thing we need to do is we need to guard against um, a spirit of fatalism. Like, everything's kind of determined. Um, God's got his whole thing set out all the way completely, and it does not matter what we do. It doesn't matter. What will happen will happen. Listen, friends, that's not the biblical picture. The biblical picture is your actions matter and your actions make a difference. What you do has a lasting impact for good or for bad on the kingdom of God. If it makes no difference, though, whether you love your neighbor or hate your neighbor, 
I mean, why would God command one thing and not the other? Because those things make a difference. And when we live our lives, we want to live in such a way that it reflects the very character of God. And when we live our lives, we want to reflect in our own lives the way we live who Jesus is. And his example to us you know, my family, we, we just started reading through the New Testament over the next 90 days. We're, we're going through that as a family. And when you, it's starting us out in the Gospels. When you read through the Gospels, I mean, over and over again, what's happening with Jesus? He's constantly going and talking to who? His Father, right? He's going before the throne. And God very much wants his children involved in his creation. And he very much wants his children involved talking with him. Examples abound in the Old and New Testament about God answering the prayers of his, of his people. Think about Hezekiah. He's told to get his, infer, uh, his affairs in order. Why? Because he's going to die, right? So the prophet comes to him. It's kind of like a heads up or warning, right? You're going to die, get your affairs in order. What does Hezekiah do? He humbles himself, and he prays. And what does the Lord answer? What does he say? What's, what's the answer to his prayer? Does he, does he answer it? Does he answer it favorably? Okay. How many years does he add to his life? Like 15, all right? 15 years. Again, Hezekiah is praying, Jerusalem is under siege. I want you to see this in 2 Kings 19. Turn with me there. This is when King Sennacherib is attacking, or getting ready to attack, the kingdom of Judah. He's mocking God. We're going to pick it up in verse 14. Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. I mean, isn't that a good response? He gets this horrible letter that this king wants to destroy uh, Israel. What does he do? He goes to the Lord. He prays, it says in verse 15, before the Lord and said, O Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see, and hear the words of Sennacherib, which he sent to mock the living God. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore, they were destroyed. So now, O Lord, our God, save us, please, from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, O Lord, are God alone. So he prays, right? This army is marching against him. This army is coming, ready to destroy him. What's the response? We get this poetical response, verses 21 through 28. I want us to pick it up. In verse 35, And that night the angel of the Lord 
went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when people arose early in the morning, behold, these were all dead bodies. Now what would have happened if Hezekiah wouldn't have prayed? I mean, could the Lord have done something? I mean, sure, maybe. But he answers Hezekiah's prayer. I like what it says, and that night, boom, the Lord hears it, the Lord responds. What about Jonah? You guys know the story, right? But he goes to the king of Nineveh, finally, <clears throat> calls him to repentance, and what does the king do? Yeah, he repents, he humbles himself, and he calls on like the whole city. They're walking around sackcloth and ashes. What does the Lord do? Here's the prayer. How does he answer it? Doesn't destroy the city, right? He holds back his hand of wrath. What about Hannah? She prays for a child. Does she get a child? What's the child's name? Samuel, right? Grows up to be this amazing prophet of God. Look at Daniel chapter 2. We see something similar. I think we, we forget this, though, when we're telling this to our children, an important part of the story of Daniel. Daniel chapter 2. In the very first verse, we find out Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. It says, in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled, and his sleep, sleep left him. So then what does he do? He calls all his magicians and sorcerers, and what, I want to know what's the meaning of the dream. And they're like, okay, well, tell us the dream, right? And we'll tell you what it means. And he's like, no, 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 no. If you really are good, you can not only tell me what the dream means, you can tell me what the dream was. That's a little more challenging, right? Because they could just make something up concerning the interpretation, right? Whatever he wants to hear. So, I mean, he gets mad. And, I mean, and he's getting ready to just slaughter everyone, the wise men, all sorts of people, all these key people, the political leaders. He's just going to, I'm tired. I'm done. You guys can't do it. You're frauds. So look what Daniel says. He says um, in verse 14, Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel. And Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. Then look, so Daniel basically says, give me an opportunity, give me some time. Verse 17, Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions. We know them better as what? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. So he asked for time. Why? So he can pray. So he can seek the Lord. So he can, what it says here, seek mercy from the God of heaven. So that Daniel and his companions, verse 18, might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then look what verse 19 says. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. You should circle or underline that word then. 
Okay, they pray, then God answers the prayer. And he reveals the vision to Daniel. Only after they pray, though. Not just Daniel praying, his three companions seeking the Lord. And the Lord answers. Let's look at an example in the New Testament. Acts chapter 12. Verse 1. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. Right, so <clears throat> what's going on? Herod kills James. The Jews like that. So he's like, oh, I'm, I'm on a roll. Let's, let's grab the next leader in line. Let's grab Peter. He's one of them. So they grab him. It says it's during the days of unleavened bread, and they're going to bring him out after the Passover. This actually is making a reference back to what? Jesus. Right? Jesus had some stuff going on during Passover. That's when he was crucified. Now, why do we have four squads of soldiers? Your version might say four squads of, of four soldiers each. That would be accurate. Each squad had four soldiers. They would be on a three-hour watch. So three hours four would be four soldiers. The next uh, would be four soldiers. They'd have a three-hour watch. Then another, you know, so they were on a 12-hour on a rotation, essentially. Why, 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 do we, why do they need these extra soldiers? Well, because in Herod, Herod's eyes, uh, Peter had already given him the slip once. Right? Back in Acts, Mount, chapter 5, chapter 6. He'd already gotten out of that. He's like, ah, I remember what happened last time. It ain't happening again. So look what, look what it says. Uh, when, when he has these uh, four guards on him every three hours, two of them would have been guarding the entrance to his cell, and then he would have been chained by hand to, to two of them, like one hand chained on one, one hand chained on the other. So, I mean, he's, he's pretty much trapped. Okay, two guards guarding the cell, and then two guards in the cell with him, and he essentially handcuffed the right hand to one, the left hand to the other. He's not going anywhere. I want you to notice something. The four squads of soldiers, the handcuffs, all that, that's man's power. Okay, Herod had a situation. He decided to use man's wisdom and man's power to deal with the situation. Let's keep reading. Verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison. And then notice what it says, friends. But earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now, now, why would Luke even include something like that if that's not even going to play into the story at all? Why would he include that? Well, because it does play into the story. Because it's an important piece. And I want you to notice something. Every word that God uses in his word is there for a reason. All right? He just doesn't throw stuff in there just for fun. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer. Earnest prayer. Earnest 
prayer. For him was made to God. By who? The church. Who's the church? We are, that's right. So the church back then was praying. Look what it says in verse 6. Now when Herod was about to bring him out, on that very night, so it's not clear how long Peter was in prison, but it says when he was about to bring him out on that very night. So maybe Peter was there for a couple days. But the night before, Herod's getting ready to do his thing. He's going to bring him out really for, I mean, a public execution. I mean, he already took out John, or excuse me, James. He's going to take out Peter. He's going to gather everyone together so he can make them real happy, and then he's going to do a public execution. So Herod was about to bring him out. On that very night, Peter was sleeping between the two soldiers bound with two chains, right? Two chains, one for each soldier that he's bound to. And centuries before the door were guarding the prison. That's the other two guards. Look what happens. Behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord. Right? Now, notice, friends, this is an iron gate leading into the city. It's not just like some little uh, creaky little fence you got in your backyard. Okay? The iron gates to the city, well, how do you shut gates to a city from the inside or the outside? From the inside, right? You ain't wanting anyone to come in at night that doesn't belong there. What happens? It opened of its own accord. Then it goes on. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. That's God's power, friends. That's God's power. Man can do whatever he want. God will always, always, always supersede it. Always overcome it. Always conquer whatever man's evil inclinations are. Whatever his evil actions are, God will overcome it. Friends, the church was praying for Peter. And God hears the prayer. And God answers the prayer. Listen, God wants to move us from complacency. I think some of us can be complacent and are complacent in our prayer lives. He wants us to move us from complacency to a place of absolute dependence and trust and belief that what we pray, God will hear and answer. I mean, think about, again, back in the Gospels, there's a strong emphasis on faith and trusting the Lord, on believing him for what he says he will do. Do we believe? Do we believe? You know, sometimes um, people come to the pastors uh, for prayer, as they should. That's what James commands. They might be sick physically. They might, they might be dealing with something emotionally or even mentally. 
and, and they ask for prayer. That's what the, the book of James says to do. And it, and it gives them actually in some instructions of, of what the pastors are supposed to do in that passage when people come and ask for prayer. But one of the things I usually emphasize when we're getting ready to pray over those people, uh, over that particular person, over that particular person, over that particular when they come to us, and I want to know if they really believe that what we're about to pray and what they're going to join us in prayer for, that God can actually do. Like, I believe, and sometimes I have to pray, like, Lord, give me the faith to believe, to truly believe. I know you can do it, but I want to know that, you, that I know that, that, that I know. But, but when I pray, I'm, I'm believing that. I'm not going to pray a prayer if I don't believe it. And God wants us to be, have that, I'd say, one, an earnestness of prayer, but two, to step out in faith and pray it, and three, exercise our faith by believing the things that we're praying. Are y'all hearing me? So we want, we want to pray, some, we might just call that praying in faith, okay? But when we say praying in faith, we're saying praying with a trust that God can do the very thing we're asking him to do. Sometimes you hear prayer in faith, you're like, oh man, I, let's just pray, and man, let's, let's just hope something happens. That's not the idea. We're praying in complete and utter dependence on the God who created each one of us. The God who created us in his own image. And we're trusting him to hear us and respond. But here's the thing, friends. It's an amazing thing, and I hope, I hope when you hear it and you continue to hear it, I hope it just like, like blows your mind. Because we're not coming to him as a servant coming to the king, primarily. We are coming as his children. That is important. That is important. You can make many requests of your leaders. You can even email the president of the United States. You can send him a letter. You can make all sorts of requests for him. Okay. You can even get and contact local leaders and try to have influence there. I mean, do they owe you anything more than the person sitting in front of you or behind you? Not really. They're leaders, right? They should want to lead and govern with wisdom and do what's best for their subjects. Same with the Lord, but here's the thing. You're not just a servant. You're one of his children. You're one of his children. And parents, you can relate. Like when your kids come and are asking for things, right? The inclination is to want to answer those in a favorable way. Now, sometimes we have to, we have to go against what maybe our natural inclination. We want to keep our kids happy. We want good things for them. But sometimes we realize the good things mean we have to say no, right? It's just true. But <clears throat> I appreciate it when my kids come and ask me for things, small things, Big things. And parents, we'll, we'll jump through hoops, so to speak, at times to help those requests come to pass. Why? Because we love our children. We love our children. And, and Jesus uses an example in Luke, and he's like, you know, if you who are evil... Like, you wouldn't give your, your son, if he requests something, you're not going to give him a snake or a stone or whatever if he requests some food. 
Well, if you're not going to do that, how much more will God give you the things that you're requesting? How much more will, and specifically in the one passage it says give you the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, that's, so when we approach the throne, that's why Hebrews talks about approaching it with confidence. You know, sometimes, you know, my kids come, they come a little bit too confidently. <laughs> asking for different things and but, but there's, a comp, there's a trust there. And if we are his children, which we are, then what Hebrews says, approach, what kind of throne is it? The throne of grace. It's a throne of grace. We can approach it with confidence. Why? Because that, that's our father. He wants good things for us. He wants what's best for us. He knows what's best for us. And he wants us in communion with him. Communing talking, fellowshipping. He wants us to enjoy our relationship with him. Friends, have you been enjoying your relationship with the Lord? Like, seriously, have you been enjoying it? Like, in, you, want, you want to enjoy your relationship. Many of you have a relationship. Just like you can have a relationship with a friend, that doesn't necessarily mean you enjoy that relationship. You might have a relationship with your boss. You definitely might not enjoy that relationship. You might have a relationship with your spouse. You need to enjoy that relationship. But God wants us to not just have that relationship, but to enjoy that relationship. To enjoy the fellowship we have. Think about the Psalms. Like the idea you get is, I mean, David is elated just to be able to come into God's presence. He's like, I'll, I'll trade thousands elsewhere just for one day with you, Lord. That needs to be our heart cry. I'll trade it all just to be with my Heavenly Father. And what I would like us to do is, is have an opportunity for each of us to pray. We had some things for us to pray this past Friday and Saturday. Um, let's focus on those as we're praying, and let's truly believe the things that we're lifting up before the Lord. Okay? Yeah? Amen? Okay, I'm going to start it off. I'm going to read from Psalm 61 as a prayer for all of us. And then if you want to pray, just come and have a seat in one of these first, these first couple uh, rows here. And then when someone um, sits down, then you can pray. You can come on up now and start that line. Here's what Psalm 61 says. And let's pray as I'm reading this. Hear my cry, O God. Listen my prayer from the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint lead me to the rock that is higher than I for you have been my refuge a strong tower against the enemy let me dwell in your tent forever let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings God, our Father, we praise your name. It is to be praised forever and ever. And we know that all wisdom and all power is yours. And that you change times and seasons and you put people in positions of power and you take them down. And you give wisdom and knowledge to your people and you reveal deep and hidden things. And you know all things and 
And God, right now, uh, our church and the church here um, in this country and in this world, we need wisdom, Lord. There's so many voices saying so many different things, and there's so much um, tension, and there's so much sin in the world. And Lord, we, we want your wisdom. We ask for your wisdom that we would be able to see things the way that you see them, Lord, that we would be able to love people the way that you love them, that we would be uh, able to be good ambassadors of your son, Jesus Christ, in the way that we, we speak and in the way that we love and in the way that we interact with each other and with the world, God. And so we need these things and we ask for them knowing that you do give good gifts to your children. Psalm 75. We give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks, for your name is near. Men declare your wondrous works. When I select an appointed time, it is I who judge with equity. The earth and all who dwell in it melt. It is I who have firmly set its pillars. I said to the boastful, do not boast. And to the wicked, do not lift up the horn. Do not lift up your horn on high. Do not speak with insolent pride. For not from the east, nor from the west, nor from the desert comes exaltation. But God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. For a cup is in the hand of the Lord, and the wine foams. It is well mixed, and he pours out of this. Surely all the wicked of the earth must drain and drink down its dregs. But as for me, I will declare it forever. I will sing praises to the God of Jacob, and all the horns of the wicked he will cut off. But the horns of the righteous will be lifted up. Lord God, uh, we know that you are the judge of all things. All authority comes from you, and there's uh, 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 no authority, the power of authority, that uh, is not apart from you, Lord. So we, we declare uh, that we have faith in your judgment and authority. Uh, you are right and true, Lord. Lord, um, you, you are the Savior. Uh, there is no salvation apart from you. Uh, and so, Lord, uh, we, we call out to you, save, Lord, save. Lord God. Many, uh, many pretend saviors surround us. Uh, they cry out uh, for us to cling to them, Lord. So, uh, Lord, uh, we pray that, that uh, your name would be praised. You alone would be glorified. That the salvation in Jesus Christ uh, would reign and be glorified. That your name would be high in our nation, in our world, uh, in our community, in our families, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would guard us from looking uh, to other things, things that you've made for salvation. Lord, uh, we know you are, uh, you are jealous, God, uh, because you made us. You created, created us. Your Holy Spirit uh, lives inside of us. Uh, and so, uh, Lord, uh, our only uh, salvation, our only worship belongs to you. So, Lord, uh, take what is yours. Lord God, uh, we love you. We worship you. All these things, Lord, uh, were made for you. So, Lord, I pray that 
you uh, would be glorified. In Jesus' name. Lord God, as we prayed <coughs> the other day, um, I asked God for healing in our land. Uh, with, with the divisions that we see um, between races, and, and Lord, I, I ask that you would, I, I really don't have many words, but just pray for healing. Father God, that um, and 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 that our eyes would be open, our hearts would be broken, and Lord, that um, Lord, there would be forgiveness uh, all around and in grace. Lord God, I just I pray for grace, and and conversation, and Lord, and and uh, just things that have been said and things that have been done would. Would just be laid down. We would be able to just even come together and 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 love each other as you have loved us. That there would be um, that we would be examples. Lord, your your spirit would um, would just compel us to love one another as you've commanded. Lord, um, that we would love our neighbor more than ourselves. And Father God, it, it, just even as a part of that, that we would have a, a boldness to share the gospel, that, that the opportunities uh, that you present before us, we would see, that our eyes would be open, we wouldn't be so distracted and so uh, moving on with our own lives that we would miss an opportunity that you've, you've orchestrated and you've directed and put right in front of us. Uh, Lord God, that we would just have the, um, just the stillness of, of, our, of our mind and our hearts that uh, that we would just see that opportunity and, and just be bold and and not be ashamed, not be nervous, not just forget, Lord, who we are, that we would get ourselves out of the way. Uh, and, and Lord, you would you would use us. Um, and Father God, for those um, those who are in Belize right now, um, and, and, and many are even watching. And, and listening and praying with us as a, as one body, Lord, we we praise you for that, God, for that technology to be able to to on on different different sides of the world even uh, be able to come together as one body. And Lord God, I just I I lift them before you and and ask for a grace uh, and 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 I ask for mercy, Lord, on that on that nation now and on those churches and on those people that that we know down there. That God, you would um, just bring a um, y your spirit into their their homes while they're maybe separated still and and not able to move around as freely as, as they they would like. Uh, Lord God, that their um, uh, their their leaders would be able to uh, just effectively visit and communicate and and be that that spiritual leader that they need um, to just to keep excited about you and uh, Lord that they too would just have a boldness to share your word in this, these tough times Lord God w when we're distracted and when we're uh, when we seem pressed down like we are now Lord there's an openness to the gospel and I ask Father God that that eyes and ears and hearts would be open to your word now
Heavenly Father, Lord God, you say that, uh, Lord, we all have sinned, and Father, we have, and your word also says that we're desperately wicked, and Father, I think that uh, as we've seen in our country over the last few weeks, Father, that is certainly borne out, and Father, I just come to you today, and Father, I just cry out to you that as we sit before you with the word open, as we read your word and study your word, God, that you would use the light of the word to shine into our hearts, into the deepest, darkest recess of the, of the hearts of the people here at Liberty, Father, that you would reveal sin in our lives. Father, some of us have open sins that we know we need to confess and we need to give to you. Father, there's others of us that have sins we don't even know about. God, I just pray that you illuminate us, show us the sins. Father, I pray that we would just confess those sins and give those sins to you, Father. And God, I pray that you would start a revival in this country, in this church, in each individual person's heart in this church, that it would move out to the city, the county, the state, the country, even the world, Father. Lord, we need you. We need you more than ever at this time, God. I just pray for this. And Father, I pray for our elders uh, as they usher this church through this time of this virus and, and this political unrest and all this stuff going on. Uh, Lord, there's no manual out there for them to read to know what to do. And, Father, I thank you for that because I, I thank you they have to fall upon their knees and cry out to you. And I, I know they're doing that, God, and I thank you for that. And, and I just pray for Mike and Justice and Greg, God, that you would just uh, uh, right now reveal yourself to them in, in the ways we should be going, Father. And I thank you for their leadership. And, Father, I pray for our deacons, Father, that you would just be with them and guide them and lead them, Father. Uh, Lord, we just thank you so much for the so many blessings you've given us. And, uh, God, I, I just cry out that you would just uh, shepherd us through this time in your name. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, when we entered uh, 2020, Lord, uh, a lot of us had made a word play that it would be a time of vision. But Lord, it's been chaotic. First Lord, a virus that attempted to divide us. Lord, but all the technology that you've put in place, all the technology that you had in the, the earth from its foundation was harvested by people and we're able to meet together even in separate locations because you are sovereign and you are good and you want your church to meet together. And Lord, we're so thankful for that. But Lord, we ask that you bring us together fully. That there'd be an end to this virus. And the end to fear. And we'd come together as a church body together in person. Where I can hug my brother. I can shake a hand. I can do all the things that I want to do to show affection. Your word's not, not small when it says greet your brother with a holy kiss. I think there's more there. 
So, Lord, we call on you to end this. Lord, your church, it has a job to do in this world. Each of us, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. This is not just a sanctuary here, but we're each sanctuaries as we go into this world. And Your living water is to be flowing from us. Lord, I know I repent today because living water doesn't always flow from me. And Lord, I I ask You to help living water flow from each and every one of us that we would leave here and be Your sanctuary, that we would build the garden as it was meant to be in this world. Lord, one of the divisive things that we have right now in this nation, they call it race. There's only one race. Your word says there's only one race. It's the human race. And Lord, there are two parts. Some of us are in Christ, if we're your children, if we've been adopted into your kingdom. And some of us are in Adam. That's the only division that there is. Oh yeah, we've got things that aren't right. And things we take for granted. But your word is clear. Your word is truth. Lord, I have brothers that are brown. I have brothers that are pink. They're my brothers if we're in you. So Lord, clarify our mind as a church. Help us speak truth into this world that you have. The world wants to change the narrative. The world wants to say things to us that is untrue. But your word is true. Lord, so I ask for the divisiveness to be settled I ask for your church to open its mouth. It's a mouth that you gave your church. So Lord, not only do we come to you in prayer right now, we ask you, Lord, to empower us in this world. Another aspect, Lord, abortion. Your judgment is on this nation for the slaughter of 3,000 babies a day. And if we want to talk about lives, Lord, 80% of those are my brown brothers and sisters. If we want to protest, Lord, let us protest and let us start at the clinics where they're killing innocent babies. And let us go forth with Your Gospel, Your truth, Not just to save babies. Yes, we want to do that. But we want to spread Your Gospel to these ladies. We want them to have their conscience pricked. Lord, we call on You to end abortion in this nation. We call on You because You can. And You will do that through means. And You'll do that through us opening our mouths. 
So you declare the ends and the means to all those things. Help us open our mouths. Bring other brothers and sisters with me to the clinic on Saturdays where we can protest this horrible, disgusting thing that's on our nation. The blood of children cry out to you, Lord. Lord, help us be doers of your word as well as readers. And Lord, I, I lift all these things up in knowing that your, your, your son, who I can come to, and I'm able to be ushered to your throne because of his work, I pray all these things in his name. Father God, I just come to you, just to your throne of grace, Father, humbly but boldly, Father, asking for just, you know my heart, you know how I feel when it comes to just the world today, Father, um, systemic injustices, oppression that's out there, Father. I ask that the church rise up and stand against this. Um, just as my brother just said about pro-life, not only does it begin from the womb, Father, but it doesn't end until we, we, we get to the tomb. And that just, that goes from birth all the way throughout, Father. So I ask that you just help, Father, with these these, these heartaches, Father. Um, but I also ask that you just forgive me, Father, um, for any sins of omission, for commission, Father. Um, the sins that I may know about, the sins that I don't know about, Father, that I'm doing. I ask that you just help forgive me for that father but i also sent out a plea to everyone else father just to come to understand other people's hurts father um because it's out there um father you know what needs to be done you know how the church needs to rise up and stand against this father um and i ask that you just continue to to bless us, Father, um, and to mourn with those that mourn, Father. Um, this is near and dear to my heart, Father, um, and I ask that you just help me just to understand other people's hearts, but for other people to understand my heart as well, Father. I pray all these things in your precious name. they passed by in the morning they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots and Peter remembered and said to him rabbi look the fig tree that you cursed has withered and Jesus answered them have faith in God truly I say to you whoever says to this mountain be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he says will come to pass it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, 
whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Lord God, I just lift up the church as a whole in our nation and all over the world, and I pray for your peace to enter our midst. And I pray, God, that we would be characterized by your peace in a time when there is no peace. And our world is just tossed about by angry, stormy waves. I pray that your people would not be tossed about by every next wave of chaos that appears on the horizon. Um, but I pray that we would be a people of sound mind, of soberness, that we would be not quick to not be quick to become angry, that we would not be quick to react, Lord, that we would carefully examine every thought process and philosophy that is set before us, and that we would consider what is your way, God. And I pray that you would fill our hearts with your love. The Bible says that if I have all faith and all knowledge, but I have not love, I've become a, a clanging gong, a noise, a, a just noise and racket. And God, that's not what we want to be, Lord, especially not in this time. And I pray, God, um, that you would fill us with your holy, um, just supernatural love, God, and that you would give your church great, great wisdom to know how to react and deal in these times, Lord. I pray again, um, I just want to emphasize that you would fill us with your peace and that we would represent peace to the world, that they would see the church rise up and that we would be characterized with love and peace and they would know that there's something different and that there's something happening. And I pray, Lord, that we would not shrink back from the things that are happening in our society, but that we would be the first in and that we would be the last out, God. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill us and that you would show us how and what and when and where that needs to happen. And, Lord, help us to be um, vigilant. Help us to be um, willing to... Do what we need to do when you tell us to do it, and right then, God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>